Hi, my name is Sharon Shimanova, and this is Chai Podcast. Do me a favor and picture the following, okay? You're an 18-year-old girl. Your unibrow is fucking thriving. You are polished, prepared for what is meant to be the biggest moment of your life. You've been talking to this guy for a few months. You really like him. He seems like a nice Baharian boy. Your one random uncle has done a little background check. He says the family seems to check out. So your dad approves. And now naturally he's coming over to meet your parents. The table is set flooded with sugar cubes, random other desserts. The kettle boils and you pour the water over the perfect ratio of loose tea leaves. You carry the scorching teapot to the dining room where he's sitting with your parents. Chai is served. Now zoom out, right? Consider the context. Where are we? Where is this set? Are we in 1980, rural Uzbekistan, somewhere around Tashkent, Samarkand? Or have I described something that happened earlier this year, 2021, to either you or one of your friends in the outer boroughs of New York? I guess in a way, it's nice that some of you will answer one way and some will answer the other. And the beautiful thing about that is that some traditions never change. In my household, for example, I've been deigned the responsibility of making tea at every and any family gathering. Meal comes to an end, the men conveniently excuse themselves to the living room or go for a walk, while the ladies rush to get the table reset for dessert. Friday night dinner at grandma's, Sharon, where's the tea? Summer barbecue in the backyard, Sharon, put the water on quickly. It would be inevitable that at some point in the evening, I'd find myself standing around the kitchen, staring at the kettle, waiting for the jam button to click. My family's tea drinking is insatiable. So although I could never control whether I'd find myself waiting or control the temperature of the water, no matter how hard I would stare at it, the only thing I could control in the equation was the blend of the leaves, the chai itself. Aside from considering reasonable questions along the lines of why the fuck are people drinking tea when it's 80 degrees outside, over the years I've realized that the relationship I have with the kettle as I wait for the water to boil correlates exactly with the way that I feel about my community, my Baharian identity. Now for those of you who don't know, let's do a little brush up on the facts, a little history lesson. It has been 30 years since the majority of Baharian Jews fled the Soviet Union and flooded the borders of the United States in hopes of attaining the American dream. When our families moved to the U.S., they flocked to neighborhoods that seemed safe, where others who were fortunate enough to move in the 80s had comfortably settled, mainly in Queens and Brooklyn. Most not speaking any English, of course, found comfort in the familiar and surrounded themselves with people they knew from back home, creating communities and Forest Hills, Brigo Park, Jamaica Estates, that eventually resembled the energy of their hometowns. The neighborhood served as a safety net, no, a support system that honestly they needed in order to succeed in the Big Apple. A place where it wasn't too strange to walk into a deli and ask for a pound of Dokterskaya Kolbasa, and their thick Russian accents didn't stick out as much. <laughs> Ultimately, they surrounded themselves with people who were going through the exact same thing they were, trying to feel comfortable in a new continent, a new country, when home was 6,000 miles away. Being first generation born in the U.S., I see the way that my grandparents, my parents, and other people who moved here in the 90s cherished this community that they helped build for future generations like us to feel that warm embrace of our culture that extends outside our homes and into the neighborhoods where 
businesses are owned and operated by Baharians, and a tightly knit community flourished. Like many immigrants, they clutched at traditions and values as they got used to their new surroundings, hoping to combat that fear of the unknown that's to come in the future. And over the years, something like a system was implemented, along the lines of a neatly gardened path for themselves and later their kids to comfortably follow along. Which brings us to present day. We live in the same neighborhoods, the kids go to the same schools, same colleges, if even at all. They get married to similar people in the same catering halls with the same rabbis and then stay in the same neighborhoods, send their kids to the same schools, and the cycle perpetuates. You get the picture, right? Although some take comfort in the order, to some it feels more suffocating than nurturing. For those of us who try to venture off the neatly gardened path, the reaction is usually confusion, right? Why would you not want to just follow the path? There are checkpoints and guidelines. Take, for example, Baharian girls, right? These checkpoints are pretty clear-cut. At around the age of 18, young girls are expected to be in active search to find the love of their life. Before they turn 21, they're most likely married. And before they turn 25, they're expected to be completely comfortable in their roles as homemaker, mother, and wife. With respect to guidelines, I'm sure it doesn't come as a surprise that women are meant to be delicate, inferior, straight, pure, and whatever the opposite of opinionated is. When somebody isn't moving at the appropriate speed to keep up with the requirements of the checkpoints, right, their families and loved ones begin to worry. That worry turns into judgment. The community judges people who pursue eccentric careers, take interest in exploring their sexuality, who are open and honest about their mental health. That judgment ultimately becomes resentment, and eventually it fizzles out, if ever. Ties are cut, relationships weaken, People move away to other boroughs or states, completely disassociating with that identity of being a Baharian Jewish person, while others don't want to upset anyone and they just surrender to that conditioning. They become what they're meant to become, so to speak. So I'm a 22-year-old law student. I live in Manhattan. I'm, I have no ring on my finger, no definitive plans of getting married anytime soon. And when I was 18 years old, there weren't necessarily suitors lined up outside my door. You know, I was newly single. I found my closest friends at the time, though, in completely opposite circumstances. Most of them were in serious relationships, about to get engaged, about to get married. I mean, for me, it was strange because growing up, I'd never really been groomed for marriage or domesticity, right? I, I mean, I, I like to calm myself down and think that my parents insisted that we get some sort of doctorate degree because they wanted us to be educated, what have you. But I feel that the more accurate depiction and understanding is that because we didn't have the prefix of Mr., we needed to have a title that was just as respectable, right? And the only thing that would be seemingly as respectable is doctor. I spent years trying to erase the part of my Baharian identity. I, I tried to make it as small as possible, so minuscule, pretending like it doesn't exist, right? I mean, although we lived in Queens for the majority of my life, I spent most of my childhood in Brooklyn going to Bambi, which for those of you who don't know, it's like pre-K to eighth grade, heavy Eastern European influence, like Soviet education. And going to school with beautiful Russian blondes and fair-skinned children was somewhat shocking to me because there were few, if ever, that looked like me. Hairy as fuck, tan all year round, and always craving boxh. 
It seemed at times that nobody knew what I was talking about when I talked about like family gathering, traditional food or garments, and even when I would say that I'm a Baharian Jew. People would make this scrunched up, confused face. They had no idea how to pronounce what I was saying, let alone contemplate or understand it. It wasn't until I started high school when somebody actually knew what I was talking about. I'll never forget it. I was a freshman trying to explain to someone that I was Bahari and I brought up, I mean, like, have you ever heard of like Forest Hills, 108 Street? And he had this like epiphany moment. He was like, oh my God, yeah, I know you guys. He went on and on about Forest Hills High School, Ideal Donuts, how rowdy everybody seems, Fila tracksuits, Puma sneakers, always talking about our cousins, the sick new barbershop he just opened. And I mean, what was I supposed to do? I, I couldn't lie. That seemed like the most accurate fucking description of half of our community. <laughs> I think that was the first time, though, that I was genuinely embarrassed about being Baharian. I, I don't know why. I was just genuinely like, I was cringed the fuck out. I was so I was so embarrassed. And later in high school and even in college, people would say to me, like, you're Baharian? All right, but like you're not Baharian, Baharian. And in those moments, I didn't know what that meant, perhaps. I would I would be a little confused, but I wouldn't really think too much about it. Eventually it would begin to fester in the back of my mind. Obviously, as I got older, I understood why that would be the immediate impression, right? So, like, the way that it seems is that the more antiquated and traditional you are, the more Baharian you seem, right? And at first, I fed into that notion. I was like, you know what? I'm not Baharian, Baharian, right? Whatever the fuck that means. But instead, I'm going to identify as Russian Jewish, right? Just fucking crossing my fingers, hoping to God that nobody would ask me a follow-up question because I would then find myself in literally the most awkward position. I would just avoid the question of ethnicity or heritage altogether, And for a while, I accepted that as my reality, right? And it wasn't until I went to college and started taking, like, prereqs for, like, communications classes, sociology classes, anthropology classes, learning about how communities and minds function as a whole, I started to get really frustrated with the fact that I grappled so much with my identity, right? Like, why couldn't I feel like I was part of a community? And ironically enough, it came to a boiling point for me. And that's how Chai was born. I was angry, frustrated with the way that things were. I mean, I grew up in a household that maintained Baharian traditions, ate Baharian foods. I had the fitting OVA ending to my last name, even though my parents didn't. But why did it seem like it wasn't enough? Why can't I proudly say that I'm a Baharian woman rather than needing somebody else's perception of me to validate that? Some people follow the neatly gardened path and it works. Some people are really, truly happy and it's fucking beautiful. I only hope that that happiness continues to flourish. But just because it's worked for some does not mean that it serves as a cookie cutter recipe for everyone. It seems ridiculous to apply identical expectations on every person, despite the complexity we each have. Like many ethnic and culturally unique communities, ours is petrified of assimilation, right? It's the fear of the ultimate erasure of the Baharian identity. Somehow, our micro-society has made us feel that following the neatly gardened path that was paved for us is the only way to avoid that erasure. And because of that common misconception that we should just all follow the same path, Without addressing or challenging intergenerational trauma, talking it through, addressing those topics of sexuality, personal identity, racism, substance abuse, societal norms, politics, discussing all of that puts the community at risk of that 
erasure. But doesn't it seem that it's the restrictive guidelines, the restrictive guidelines that create these ultimatums, right? Don't you think that that is what really is what's causing the erasure and what's going to make us completely succumb to assimilation? By placing this rigid infrastructure, right, that it's this way or no way. Don't you think that that is what's making assimilation seem so much more of a reality? The Baharian culture is a beautiful amalgam of Central Asia. Our native dialect, our food, our traditional music and dress, we are not one-dimensional as a culture. So surely we cannot be one-dimensional as individuals. We pride ourselves on being a community that is so tightly knit, wanting to be so fucking close, most of the time too close for comfort. But through this attempt to stay true to our culture and not lose touch with our heritage, we're clutching so, so strongly that we're actively participating in the discrimination and exclusion of members of our own community. I want to be proud of being a Baharian woman, but at times it feels that the Baharian community isn't proud of me. But the thing is that this is bigger than me. Because yes, my story is valid, but I sure as fuck am privileged. I don't undergo the marginalization experienced by those who are raised in interfaith households, queer members of our community, gender non-conforming members of our community, those who aren't able-bodied, who weren't raised in the nuclear Baharian family, who are open about their mental health, and I can go on. This isn't about me, this is about you. It's about people who felt at any point in their lives that they were screaming in a room full of people, but nobody seems to hear them or bothers to turn around. I hear you. You're not alone. So no, I can't change the fact that I'll find myself making chai every time my family gets together, or how long it'll take for the kettle to boil. Just like I can't change the fact that cornerstones of my identity as a Baharian woman will feel daunting, awkward, or uncomfortable sometimes. I can't rush the Baharian community to modernize or somewhat acclimate to American norms. But what I can control is what I do with my identity and how I choose to make it my own. Because it's up to me to decide whether I want to accept that this is just how things are and wait, or if I actually want to fucking do something about it. Chai Podcast is a love letter to my younger self, a love letter to my Baharian identity, and ultimately, it's a love letter to you. Because if you've ever felt different, if you've questioned your place, felt like you need to bite your tongue in most conversations, I hope that Chai Podcast gives you the strength to be proud of who you are, the network to know that you aren't alone, and the comfort to completely and unapologetically be you. Because that is what makes you Baharian. Chai is served. <laughs>